This is the Lightning Round Podcast with your hosts, Garrett Sisti and Jamie Hoyle. Go Chargers, go! Hello guys, welcome to our second Draft Prospects podcast. I am Garrett Sisti, which is at Garrett Sisti on Twitter. Jamie is at Lightning underscore round. And we are doing two new position groups this week. It is going to be quarterbacks and tight ends. Uh, we are just going to jump right into it. And I just want to say up top, uh, it's going to be tough going through these quarterbacks real quick. <laughs> but stay tuned because the tight ends will be fun. And we'll have, we'll save the best for last. So just stick with us. We had to watch these guys, so we got to tell you about them. So now you have to listen to it. <laughs> yes, uh, we did the work, so now you got to listen to us complain about it. But we'll get to the tight ends, and uh, of course, we'll talk about um, where these guys fall in terms of the Chargers draft plan as well. So let's go ahead and jump right into it, and in no particular order, let's start with Dwayne Haskins, the quarterback from Ohio State. So Haskins is a guy who really flew up the boards this year based on a huge year at Ohio State. Uh, he's got a lot of things working in his favor. Despite limited experience as a starter, uh, obviously the first is he's got a very strong arm, probably one of the top two or three strongest arms in the draft in terms of the quarterback class. I think Haskins uh, is willing to hang in the pocket. He's I've seen some people label him as a scrambling quarterback. I think Stephen A. Smith <laughs> listed him as a scrambling quarterback. <laughs> yeah, he is not. Uh, he no. He can scramble if he needs to. He's a good athlete, but he is a pocket passer. First and foremost, and he's not afraid to take a hit to deliver the ball. That's a man that's never watched a day of Dwayne Haskins in his life. No kidding. I think he ran the ball like a hundred times all year, or so, no, not even a hundred times, like fifty some odd times all year. It's crazy. I don't know how you, I don't know how you call him a, a scrambling quarterback. Yeah, more of a runner than a passer. Yeah, crazy. Uh, Haskins, because of the strong arm, he routinely fits balls in the tight windows. I think he's really, really good between the numbers and from 0 to 15 yards. The ball just explodes out of his hands. He throws a nice, tight spiral. Uh, Haskins also has a pretty quick release and shows the ability to layer throws. And when I say layer throws, which is a term I think we'll use a lot, at least I'll use a lot tonight, we're talking about um, somebody who's able to, you know, fit balls in between defenders. Maybe you've got a guy underneath and a guy on top and you're, getting it over the guy underneath and in front of the guy on top without getting the receiver killed. That's what I'm talking about with layer throws. You're talking about, you know, more complex throws. And he he makes those uh, not consistently, but he does show the ability to make them. And I think that's something he'll be better at as he progresses in his career. Uh, On the negative side, like I mentioned earlier, he's got very limited experience as a starter, one full year of starting experience. So you stands to reason you know he hasn't seen a lot of complicated blitz packages hasn't seen a lot of uh you know complicated coverage schemes and some of that shows up on tape we'll talk about that here in a minute i think the accuracy for him even though he had really high completion percentage the accuracy for him tends to fade as he gets outside the numbers and from 15 to 20 yards and it's not because he can't make the throws from a physical standpoint it's because there are fundamental mechanical issues in his throwing motion and with his footwork that make it difficult for him to be consistent the further he gets away from the line of scrimmage. Uh, He's a little bit of a body thrower. Haskins rarely has his upper and his lower body synced up. Uh, He relies on his arm strength a lot and his athleticism, and he doesn't really step into throws as much as you'd like to see him do it. It's just a, 
you know, it's a developmental thing. Uh, he's so big and so strong and has such a strong arm that he hasn't had to, but it's, he's going to have to learn how to climb in the pocket and get his feet under him and step into throws at the next level. Um, I think Haskins lacks a really good feel for the pass rush. Uh, and Haskins wasn't asked to make checks at the line very much in college. He can be very erratic with the deep ball at times, and Dwayne also uh, frequently puts the ball at risk uh, versus his own defense. I noticed a lot of him almost getting picked off by, by underneath guys in coverage in zone schemes where he just wasn't seeing them, and he was trying to throw back shoulder fades or was under-throwing balls, and guys were jumping up and getting their hands on balls that he probably shouldn't have been throwing. Not necessarily bad decisions so much as just not understanding the coverages that he's seeing. Um, <clears throat> I think from a projection, projection standpoint, you're looking at Dwayne Haskins. I think there's no doubt he's a future NFL starter. I think he's going to be a good player. Has the physical tools and the makeup, I think, to be a potential pro bowler. But I don't think he's NFL ready right now. I don't think he's ready to step in and start. I think he's. you really want to get him in a situation where he is – behind some a veteran quarterback who might be on his way out sooner rather than later so he can sit for a year, maybe two, study film, really get a handle of, on recognizing those coverages. And he needs the footwork to be cleaned up. The lower upper and lower body needs to be synced up quite a bit more. And I'd like to see him get more consistent throwing the ball downfield, maybe throwing with a little bit more touch on a more consistent basis. But I think he is... Going to be a good NFL quarterback, he needs to land in the right system with a good coach who can clean up some of those mechanical issues. I, I, He is my number two quarterback. I have him as an 86, so not a first-round grade in terms of you know being between 90 and 100 like we talk about, we'll talk about with some players much, much later in the draft process, Not certainly not in this class. Um, but he'll probably wind up sliding into the bottom part of my top 32 when we're done with this. By virtue of being in that, you know, early to middle second round grade range, he's probably going to wind up being among the top thirty to thirty five players in my in my class once all is said and done. Yeah, I've got a lot of the same notes on Haskins. You know, uh, as a first year starter, he threw fifty touchdown passes last season, led the Buckeyes to twelve and one on the year. Uh, looked like he can make every throw at all levels. Uh, was good with on script. Can handle things pre snap, pick it up and adjust. He loves his first read and his best when he's in that quick passing game his pocket presence like you mentioned wanes at times and his feel for pressure just isn't there yet um he's you know only one year of starting experience so it'll come but it's not there quite yet also like you mentioned uh, not particularly good as a passer on the run uh he's definitely a pocket passer and he's kind of more of a quarterback that just isn't going to hurt you when he's got a quick read and rhythm he succeeds but he's kind of thrown off his game a little bit if he has to improvise so you know, even though there isn't a ton to break down, we only have a year of tape. Uh, a lot of his tape uh, has the tool to me as like a middle of the road quarterback in the NFL. It, it seems like a low ceiling, high floor. Uh, I, this isn't a comp, but when watching him, it felt a lot like Marcus Mariota with less of the rushing ability. But, you know, a guy that's uh, crisp with his throws, he can make them all, he's not going to hurt you, uh, maybe a little bit too safe sometimes, uh, doesn't doesn't chuck it deep very often, and when he does, it's not very good. Um, but what he does, he does well. Uh, isn't really a, guns, a gunslinger, but he's a smart operator. And to me, he's definitely 
one of the first two quarterbacks to be drafted and should be. I've actually got a lower second-round grade. He's got an 81 from me, but we're in the same boat. I mean, uh, he's not a first-round talent right now, but could definitely project into something special. Yeah, I think he's one of those guys who's going to wind up in the first round just because he's a quarterback and because he's big and strong. And he's going to test well, and he's going to look good in his underwear at the combine. So <laughs> he's going to he's going to fly up boards here as we get into the into the um, the draft season, quote unquote. And I think you know a lot of his you don't want to call them deficiencies, but a lot of the things that we mentioned on the negative side are just a lack of uh, they're from a lack of experience more than a lack of physical talent. He just hasn't been able he hasn't been asked to do a lot of things. He hasn't seen a lot. And so there's going to be a steeper learning curve, and he might take some time to adjust to the speed of the NFL. But I think the talent's there that if you surround him with some talent and you put him in the right system with the right coach, I think he could be very productive in the NFL. But he's not somebody I'd be rushing to take, you know, in the top 5, 10, 15 picks. I I think he needs some more development. And, there, you know, there is a chance that if he lands in the wrong system, he could have some issues. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the case with all these quarterbacks. Well, some of them, ha- you know, have no hope at all. But more so than yeah, others. we'll we'll get yeah. to those. Uh, in fact, speaking of which, uh, Drew Locke is the next on this list. Uh, we'll get to <laughs> Kyler Murray. He's he's coming up. But uh, next one on this list is Drew Locke in Missouri. You know, he's a tall, strong arm quarterback. So you know, a lot of these old heads are going to love Locke. Man, he's mobile with that big play potential because of that strong arm. He's got a good release, can get the ball out quick, and he has a lot of confidence. Uh, he always trying to get something going and he wants to adjust on the fly and of course that's when he gets into a lot of trouble the accuracy is very hit or miss though he has one of the better deep balls in this class him and haskins i like their both their deep balls lock drops his eyes a little bit too often when working through his progressions he has a lot of batted balls at the line of scrimmage he is your prototypical qb on paper you know he's tall got the big arm He's a pretty smart kid, so some GM's going to overlook all these other shortcomings. But to me, Drew Locke looks like a low-end NFL starter with more of a backup QB vibe. He's got a flash that arm, but Locke is a major work in progress. He got a 71 from me. That's a low third-round pick. Uh, this isn't a guy I love. A lot of people are in love with him, but uh, not a guy I think is much worth taking if you're depending your future on him. I completely agree with you. It was hard to watch True Luck. Uh, uh, you know, the things that you like about him, you know, this is what you're going to hear the coach, the scouts talk about going into the draft is he's got the big frame with the big arm and he's a good athlete. So he's going to check the the physical attribute boxes, pretty much all of them. And he looks, in some respects, he looks like he's been well coached from a mechanical standpoint. You mentioned he's got a good release. He's got a very clean, simple, repeatable motion and a quick release. The ball comes out quickly and with a lot of mustard on it. The scouts are going to love that. Um, Because I think he's probably got the strongest arm in the league. Him and Haskins are probably one and two in some order. Um, I think think Drew Locke has the arm talent, obviously, to make all the throws. Uh, He routinely fits balls into really tight windows, some windows he shouldn't be trying to fit them into, in my opinion. Um, and you mentioned he's mobile enough to buy time, extend plays, and he can even make plays with his feet when needed. Not a great athlete, but a good athlete for a quarterback and a guy who, you know, he's not he's not a statue back there. He can move around and buy himself time. Uh, on the negative, and this is a big one for me that I noticed about a lot of these guys, is frankly there is very little, if any, progression in his game from year to year. He was a four-year starter, 
And in my opinion, he still makes the same mistakes as a senior that he made as a freshman. Uh, just no real cleaning up. The footwork is a disaster, in my opinion. Uh, I think he doesn't really anticipate throws. He doesn't throw receivers open very often. He'll hold the ball and stare down receivers at times. He's very erratic at all levels of the field. He can look good for five or six throws, and then Locke will just kind of fade and look like a complete mess for five or ten throws, just be all over the place. Uh, he makes a lot of really bad reads and decisions, and I think Locke doesn't really uh, – he doesn't identify or really have an answer for interior pressure and he has no real feel for edge pressure. And I think ball security is an issue with him. I saw him fumble quite a bit when getting hit because he doesn't feel the pressure coming. So he's not protecting the ball. He's looking to make a play and the ball pops out when he gets hit. And I think our notes pretty much match up exactly. (laughs) He's a low level starting quarterback. Like I mentioned, the lack of progression with his footwork, his anticipation, the reads, the accuracy, it's all concerning for a guy who started for four years, and I think he's going to turn the ball over a lot. Uh, I did not like Drew Locke at all. I had a slightly higher grade on him than you did, but we're in the same ballpark. I'm in a 73, which is a late third-round pick. I know he's going to go a lot earlier. I think people are crazy. I think to have a four-year starting quarterback who – Never completed. I don't think he ever completed sixty percent of his passes, if I'm not mistaken. Um, if he did, it was barely. yeah, it was sixty-two. Him and Daniel Jones, sixty-two. Yeah. That's that's a problem for me. He should be completing, you know, sixty-four to sixty-seven percent of his passes as a four-year starter at least once, and he never really did. Um, so I just I'm, I'd stay away. He's not some definitely not somebody I'd take in the first round, uh, quarterback or not. I just think he's a major project. And I think the lack of progression in his game is alarming because it might, without knowing him personally, obviously, it might suggest that he's a little hard-headed and he's not real interested in being coached because these are things that should be cleaned up over a four-year college career and they just weren't. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, these old GMs are going to love him. He's tall. He's got a big arm. And then that's when you end up with guys like Paxton Lynch and Brock Osweiler and Zach Mettenberger. And you're just, you know, you're going off height and uh, strong arm and you think, hey, that's what quarterbacks are made of, and that is not how quarterbacks are anymore. Kyle Bowler. Yep. Yeah, all that all that mess. Yep. So, all right, so let's go ahead and move on to the next one on this list, and it's Daniel Jones at a Duke. So Jones, he's a lot like he's a lot like Locke in a lot of ways. Um, he's big, athletic, has a strong arm. Uh, Jones can make every throw. Uh, Daniel understands how to use his feet. One of the things that I did like about him is he uses his feet very well to slide around and buy time in the pocket. He climbs in the pocket. He doesn't necessarily need a clean pocket to make an accurate throw. Um, Jones is one of the more fundamentally sound guys from the ground up in this class in terms of his upper and lower body being in sync. Uh, He understands how to manipulate defenders with eyes and shoulder fakes and pump fakes. And he's a tough kid who isn't afraid to take a hit to deliver the ball. Um, I think Jones struggles with timing and anticipating throws in the middle of the field. He'll be high. He'll be behind guys he'll be in front of guys and he puts a lot of balls at risk because he's not in sync with his receivers also tends to leave back shoulder fades too far inside at times i think jones will hold the ball and stare down receivers when throwing to the wide side of the field in spite of his arm strength he looks befuddled by interior pressure and complicated blitz schemes jones was not asked to make a lot of adjustments at the line of scrimmage and he can be slow to diagnose and I think he's prone to bad decisions versus zone defense, a lot like Dwayne Haskins, like I mentioned earlier. And he takes on too many defenders as a runner. 
And this is another guy whose game really didn't progress all that much, despite being a four-year starter. Uh, you would he he was coached by David Cutcliffe, so you would think that if he was anybody was going to progress, it'd be Cutcliffe, who is a known quarterback whisperer. But I just didn't see a whole lot of progression in his game. I think he could develop into a starter, but he needs a lot of work. Uh, he's going to have a massive learning curve at the next level with reads and adjustments at the line of scrimmage. And the accuracy and the ball placement are a concern because he's just all over the place despite having a strong arm and being physically talented. It just seems like he doesn't really know where the ball is going a lot a lot of the time. So I, I have a 72 on Daniel Jones, uh, a late third-round pick uh, right behind Drew Locke who was at a 73. So both these guys are projects in my opinion, probably backups, maybe developing into low-end starters, but with a lot of work and a lot of patience. Yeah, so I'm much lower on Daniel Jones than you are. Uh, He passed for over 2,600 yards in three straight seasons at Duke. He's not afraid to take a hit. You mentioned that and display some good touch at times. He's mobile and get the ball out from all sorts of strange angles. His accuracy, like Locke, like we just talked about, both uh, Daniel Jones and Drew Locke's best seasons in terms of completion percentage were both at 62%. That is not great, guys. Uh, Jones often holds on the ball too often, looking for the deep ball, resulting in a sack or turnover. He does not seem comfortable in the pocket. He is fearless and somewhat athletic, but you just don't know what you're getting from him from snap to snap. His timing is terrible. He is being wildly overvalued, and I think he's a career backup in my book. This is a day three guy. He is a 65 for me. Uh, Another major project. Man, I thought uh, things weren't going to get worse, but they certainly did after watching Drew Locke. So uh, (laughs) let's let's finally get on to Kyler Murray. And uh, this is, of course, uh, a big hot topic because uh, he recently declared and he's not going to be playing baseball and he's going to focus solely on being a quarterback in the NFL. He is by far the best athlete of this class. With the baseball background, he's very good on the run. He can hit it all. As a rusher, Murray is so dangerous. The best part about his rushing ability is his ability to avoid the big hit at the end. He will slide to avoid contact or get out of bounds, which obviously at his size is the positive. Murray is strong on his short throws, deep throws, uh, but be a little erratic in the intermediate part of the field. He'll need to develop a better feel for the pocket. Too often he's ready to take off with it because he knows he can get it with his feet. Murray's height is going to be a sticky point for a lot of GMs come draft time, but like I mentioned, if you're drafting on height, you're going to get uh, some bad quarterbacks like Brock Eisweiler or Paxton Lynch. So it's hard because there's no baseline for a guy this small. It's not a trait that I get hung up on. Even if Kyler Murray, he's listed at a 5'10", if he's more 5'8", 5'9", the argument's going to be about all the batted balls at the line of scrimmage, not being able to get it over offensive linemen and defensive linemen uh, being able to swat it at the line. But uh, in college, Murray had five tip passes last season at the line. Dwayne Haskin had five. Drew Locke had eight. Daniel Jones had 12. So the other top QBs in this class were either tied or had more tip balls than Murray. Uh, it was the same argument we saw with Russell Wilson. And Russell Wilson, as a short quarterback, has never been top 10 in the most batted passes in the season over his career. So I'm more worried about Murray packing on pounds to his frame than I am about him adding inches to his height. He has the athleticism. Adding inches, he's going to get taller. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You know, <laughs> they can put him in platform shoes. It doesn't matter. He's got to put on more. I'm more worried about his weight and his frame. Uh, he's got the athleticism, the arm talent to be a star in the NFL. 
Um, and by all accounts, he's still growing at the position. He'll need to improve on the intermediate throws, pack on some muscle, have a better feel for the pocket. Uh, he's got to adjust the interior pressure. That's where I think the height is a disadvantage for him. You know, the interior pressure really gets at his feet. Um, but just ignore all the other arguments about height. Uh, he's graded out as another second-round uh, quarterback to me, and he is one point higher than Haskins. And my number one quarterback in this class, Kyler Murray, with an 82. Hmm. All right. Well, I, I think there's a lot to like about Murray. He's got a very quick release, uh, loose, simple motion. Uh, the, the arm is not as strong as Locke and, um, and Haskins, but still pretty strong, definitely above average. Uh, has the arm strength to make every throw. Uh, Murray works through his progressions, looks off defenders, uses his head and shoulder fakes to move defenders, all good things. Uh, he's good on timing routes, like you mentioned, underneath. Throws a pretty deep ball. Uh, he will throw receivers open even when they look like they're covered pretty tight. And like you mentioned, he's a freak athlete. I think the ball placement needs some work. It can be a little bit hit or miss, particularly downfield. Uh, Murray has a very small frame that might not, not, like you mentioned, might not hold up with his style of play. You know, he looks like he's a guy who's probably going to measure in at like 5'9", 5'8", probably 180, 190. He's teeny tiny and he's wiry. And he's going to take a lot of hits. Even with his speed, he's still going to take a lot of hits. So I would be worried about him holding up physically if he's going to run as much as he did in college. Uh, Murray was asked to do a lot in college, and I think he tries to do a little too much at times. And he's going to be need to be reined in a little bit and stay within the system a little bit more. And I think Murray uh, is accustomed to throwing it into enormous windows, so he's going to have to get used to throwing the ball into much tighter windows in the NFL. And some there are times when he can hold the ball a little bit too long. Uh, I think he is an NFL starter. I think there's enough there to think that he's going to be a pretty successful NFL starter. Uh, he's going to need to refine his reads and rein in that desire to make a big play in every snap. And I think, like I mentioned, I have some concerns about his frame considering his style of play. I think uh, he's more, even though he's got about the same amount of experience as Dwayne Haskins. I think he was asked to make more complicated reads than Haskins was in college. And I think he's a little bit more polished uh, as a passer than Haskins is in some regards. I have him as an 88. So an early second round pick. Wow. I think, I think he's going to be, again, he's probably going to wind up in my top 30 to 35 players. Um, but I like Murray. I think he's going to be a good quarterback. I think the trick is going to be keeping him healthy. So, uh, okay, I don't want to ruin your top five yet, so I, w- I want to ask the question. Let's just uh, go ahead and move on to our last quarterback on this list before we list a sleeper, and it is Will Greer out of West Virginia. Do we have to? <laughs> it's only five. I mean, let's just slug through this. And get uh, so Greer is so the things that I like about him, and I kind of had to search for things that I liked about him. <laughs> He's got a quick release. He throws the ball pretty well on the run. Greer has a knack for making big plays. He's fearless, got a good frame, and he's mobile enough to extend and create with his legs when he needs to. Uh, There was a lot more that I didn't like about Will Greer. Uh, I think the footwork is lousy. He's constantly falling away from or lunging into throws. He has this weird thing where he lunges into throws, and his head snaps around, and he winds up with his head over his front foot, and he's almost looking at the ground or the sideline instead of his target when he releases the ball. I cannot stand the way he throws the ball. Um, it just, it's, it's a mess. It's got to be fixed. Um, there's a hitch at the top of his throwing motion that leads to a lack of, lack of accuracy downfield. 
I think Greer is loose with the ball in the pocket, has a tendency to fumble it, has trouble catching snaps at times. Uh, he's His first instinct under pressure is to retreat and give up more yardage. That's a bit of a problem. I think Greer is borderline careless with his decisions in pursuit of big plays down the field. And I have some questions about his arm strength. I don't think he's got a great arm. Uh, I think Greer is a backup quarterback like Locke. I think he's a mess fundamentally, and it causes accuracy issues, and the ball placement is inconsistent. Not sure about the arm strength, and he's way too loose with the ball. I have a 65 on Will Greer, which is a mid-fourth-round pick. Uh, I I think you're looking at a career backup. I just think there's too much work to be done here. Uh, I think the reads are going to get way more difficult for him because he played in a wide open offense, and I just, I, I just don't think he can read a defense very well. So, I, I, I wanted to like him because I've heard some things about his story. He sounds like a good kid who's worked hard to put himself in a good position. Really wanted to like him, just really didn't. <laughs> yeah, me neither, man. And we're we're right in the ballpark. Uh, he's got good size, six two two eighteen. Uh, good vertical passer. Uh, can hit the throws down the sideline or up the seam. He showed some flashes of some good throws on the run. While the pocket is clean, Greer can operate. When there is pressure is when the wheels completely fall off. His his biggest weakness is his mental processing. More times than not, he's going to stick to the script. He's going to go with his pre-snap read, and it is awful. If defenses get aggressive, he's erratic, he's panicky. Will Greer doesn't have a lot going for him other than his size and somewhat of a vertical passing game. He's got average arm strength, uh, weak mental acumen for the position, and cracks under pressure. This is a stripped-down project with a low-end backup, maybe even camp arm all over him. Uh, I've got him one point higher than you, 66, a mid-fourth-round grade. We are right there on Greer. And uh, we've been uh, somewhat – we're a little bit different on Daniel Jones, but – between Locke and Jones and Greer and these guys that are being revered as you know these top five quarterbacks of this class, we're all saying no. This is a bad group, but let's let's just go ahead and get past it. Let's move on to the sleeper. I'll let you start. Uh, who's your sleeper quarterback? So I had two guys, but I'll give you one. Um, one guy that I really enjoyed watching, I thought he was a lot of fun to watch, was Jordan Tamu from um, Old Miss. Uh, he's got a really quick release. He's an above average athlete who can create and extend with his legs. Very strong arm. The ball jumps out of his hands. Tamu has a good decision maker and he's very accurate. Uh, he's had limited experience. So that's going to be a knock on him. He only had one full year as a starter at at Old Miss. Uh, he will hold on to the ball too long at times. Uh, Tamu would benefit from throwing with more touchdown the field. I think he likes to show off that arm a little bit too much and, he can overthrow receivers downfield at times. Uh, he will telegraph throws at times. And I think Tomo also tends to look rattled against more complicated defenses. He'll hold the ball. He'll stare guys down, force balls into tight windows. I was really enjoying watching him. And then I watched him play against Alabama, and the wheels fell off, and he was a mess with interior pressure, and he just he just didn't know how to respond to a real defense. So um, I think he's a guy who certainly could be a backup in the NFL for a long time. And I think if he lands in the right system and gets some proper coaching, he might be able to progress into being kind of a low-end starter, maybe a like a swing starter kind of a guy, a spot starter. Um, I don't know that he's got a very high ceiling, but I think he's got a pretty high floor. Just a, you know, kind of a game manager with, with the ability to be exciting and make some big plays. 
Yeah, so this was a hard group to go over. So I've got a sleeper. It's not a, it's not a big deep sleeper, you know, but there's there's some guys that are getting some love uh over the over my guy. And you know, there's guys like Tyree Jackson and Ryan Finley and Gardner Minshew and um Jarrett Stidham that's kind of getting a lot of play. And the guy that I think is a lot better than people are mentioning is Brett Rippon from Boise State. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's a consistent performer. He won't wow you often, but can manage an offense and with this QB class that should put him towards the lead of the pack here because uh, not many of these guys can. He will stand strong in the pocket, deliver late developing routes. He works through his progressions like few guys in this class does. He has issues with some disguises at times. Uh, not also a very mobile quarterback. In fact, he looked awkward when he's got to go on the run. But Rippon has the ability to control an offense. He can work through his progressions. His arm strength is good enough and has some fearlessness in the pocket. Now, while he has his limitations and doesn't offer a bunch of upside, he has the make of a dependable backup QB in the NFL that won't hurt you, a low-end starter ability, uh, but more of a backup. I've got a 69 on him. He's a mid-fourth-round grade and uh, just a guy that isn't getting a ton of run, and uh, I liked Rippon better than I think most do. You know, he was very nearly my starter. Uh, I'm not my starter, my sleeper. Uh-huh. I, I liked him. Uh, there was a reason that I backed off of him and it was because i felt like complicated schemes gave him fits and he would make bad decisions and mistakes at the wrong time and i also noticed that he tends to fumble the ball a lot when he gets hit uh but i think that there are things about him to like for sure and i could certainly see him being uh kind of a long-term backup in the league particularly nfl teams love guys whose fathers played in the league yeah and his dad played in the league won yeah. a super bowl in the league so uh, that's going to give him a leg up on some of these guys. And I think the arm strength is there. You can throw the ball down the field. There's there's a lot to like about him to bring him in as a camp arm and give him a shot to be a maybe a third stringer this year and maybe develop into a second string quarterback. I can see that. All right, so let's go top five. Uh, give me your top five. Let's go five to one. My fifth quarterback is Daniel Jones at a 72. Drew Locke is number four at a 73. Somebody we did not talk about was Jared Stidham at a 76 is my number three. Dwayne Haskins, number two with an 86. And Kyler Murray, number one with an 88. Damn, you know, uh, I didn't think you'd have Murray as number one. I do too. I've got uh, Will Greer as number five is by default just because there isn't enough good quarterbacks. Uh, number four, Brett Rippon at a 69. Drew Locke is a 71 at three. Dwayne Haskins, 81 at number two. Kyler Murray, my number one quarterback of this class, as is Jamie's. And uh, in terms of Chargers drafting a quarterback, how are you feeling about that at 28, Jamie? No. <laughs> That's it? No. Yeah, no. I think uh, I think the Chargers can can and should kick this quarterback can down the road another year. Uh, that's why I w- I just was like, signed Geno Smith already. Uh, just fill the spot. It doesn't even matter. You know, Dwayne Haskins, Kyler Murray are probably the only starting caliber quarterbacks in this class, and they're going to be gone before the Chargers pick at 28, and I would just leave it alone. And, you know, there's there's talk that Kyler Murray is going to fall down to 28, but Kyler Murray doesn't give up the guaranteed money playing baseball if he doesn't have some kind of handshake, promise, wink, wink, that he'll get drafted in the first round. He's going to get drafted in day one. He's going to get drafted in day one because he's going to be a huge draw. Everybody knows his name. And somebody's going to fall in love with him, probably the Jaguars. But he's he's going to wind up going early for sure, and he's not going to be there at 28. And I've seen people suggest Tyree Jackson in the fifth or sixth round. 
Might as well just stick with Cardell Jones. Tyree Jackson is a uh, is a popular one in yeah, day three, I see and that feels Tyree like Jackson. Kylie, yep. that feels like uh, Kyle Laletta last year. Charger fans love that guy. We're like, hey, pick him up later, late day two, early day three. It, he wasn't very good, and you know you saw it last and, year. And he wound up going early in the second round because mm-hmm. of all the all the buzz he got. Yeah, I thought I'd like Ryan Finley because he was really hot last year. Um, didn't like him all that much. Trace McSorley's a mess. I just don't see anybody that I feel like they have to go out and get, even even in the late rounds. I'd, I agree with you. I'd say kick the can down the street a little bit. There's going to be a much better draft class in 2020. And I just don't think any of these guys pan out past Murray and Haskins, so I'm not in the no. rush to take any of them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, don't don't waste the draft capital on it. You might as well just get an undrafted free agent and hope that he can be a cap bar at that point. So uh, let's go ahead and go on to tight ends. And get to the fun part. I'll go ahead and start since you start with quarterbacks. And we're going to start with a tight end duo from Iowa. First one is TJ Hawkinson from Iowa. Uh, he won the John Mackey Award as the nation's top tight end last season. He he ran every route at Iowa, can beat DBs at every level. He has very good adjustment to the ball when it's in the air. Routinely high points it, shows real reliable hands. Showed no limitations as a blocker in college. He even challenged defensive line at the line. He's a nasty blocker. While Hawkinson might not run by you, he is so clean with his overall technique, he'll still find ways to beat you. TJ Hawkinson is as well a rounded tight end as you could ask for. Excellent to elite in almost every category we grade on. He'll be a top 10 tight end in the league in almost every system right away with no limit to his upside. He is my highest prospect to date so far through two shows. 95 mid first round pick TJ Hawkinson. I also very much like TJ Hawkinson. He's good, uh, man. He's very good. He's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, you mentioned it. He's a great blocker, very good pass protector who always keeps his feet moving, sticks to pass rushers. He runs clean, precise routes. He's always open in the middle of the field, pretty much no matter what. Uh, he makes plays at all three levels of the defense, like you mentioned. Hawkinson has a huge wingspan, wingspan, and an impressive vertical leap that make him a dangerous red zone weapon. He's also athletic enough to climb and make blocks at the second level. He adjusts to the ball like a wide receiver, and I think he has pretty like very good speed, speed to run away from defenders, um, certainly linebackers and safeties. Um, for me, I think Hawkinson, the run, the run and blocking technique needs, needs a little bit of refinement. He'll drop his head a little bit and miss blocks, but I'm nitpicking. Um, he'll overrun and whiff blocks at the second level occasionally. Not a big problem, but just something to keep an eye on. Uh, and I think he needs to get a little bit stronger, but he's nasty as a blocker. Very aggressive, very physical, all good things. Um, I have an 88 on him, oh, so wow. just a little bit outside the first round. Again, probably going to wind up in my top 32. Uh, and I didn't get – he's not on the first round basically because he's a tight end, and I think that position's a little undervalued. Uh, but certainly very good player, somebody who – should be a first-round pick, I think. Will be a first-round pick, and like you mentioned, is going to be a very good player in this league for a very long time. Really, really liked watching TJ Hawkinson. Yeah. All right, well, let's talk about the other Iowa tight end. Let's talk about Noah Fant. Uh, so Noah Fant, uh, he's a versatile weapon who lines up all over the formation. He's got great speed. Uh, you see him on tape running away from linebackers, safeties, and corners. Uh, Fant routinely makes tough physical catches on third down and in the red zone. He's able to stretch the defense when split out wide. Very reliable hands. 
I think the knock on him right now is that he's not very physical or technically sound as a blocker. Uh, Fant probably would be better suited to being a backside help blocker than he is a lead blocker at the point of attack. Fant is frequently the last offensive player off the ball. He can struggle adjusting to underthrown balls at times. Fant tends to lunge, reach, and grab as a blocker, and he frequently allows defenders to sneak inside of him in pass protection. Uh, I still like him quite a bit. He's not... Uh, he is my number two tight end. He's right on Hawkinson's heels for number one, just a couple points behind. And for me, what really separates them is the blocking. I think Hawkinson is an NFL-ready blocker right now, and I think Fant is a guy who is a little less willing to block. The technique isn't there, and he's going to need some work. He's going to make a difference as a receiver right away, but he's a guy who you probably don't want to be your tight end one on the field blocking consistently, uh, just not quite there yet. So I have an 86 on him. So again, just outside the first round, and like with Haskins and Murray, will more than likely wind up in my top 30 to 35 players, but not quite a first-round pick in terms of our grading system. Fant is an athletic freak playing tight end. He can catch anything in his vicinity. Every errant throw in his direction, he found a way to adjust and make the grab. Uh, his get-off from the line of scrimmage is next level. Like Hawkinson, Fant ran all the routes at Iowa. He's a big-time red zone weapon, had seven TDs inside the 20 last year. Uh, wasn't asked to block a lot, and when he did, he looked very soft like you mentioned. Also, if we're nitpicking a little bit, also body catches a little bit too often. Uh, Noah Fant's going to definitely race up draft boards after he tests at the combine because he is an athlete that you do not see at the tight end spot very often. He's got an enormous catch radius, will be a mismatch wherever he lines up. This is another tight end that will go in day one, uh, maybe early day two. That's going to give some teams' offense an automatic boost. Uh, Like you mentioned, he's just a couple points behind uh, Hawkinson for me as well. He's got a 92, still a first-round player for me. Um, But because of the blocking and a little bit because of the catching in the hands, he got dropped a a couple points. But both uh, first-round talents in terms of just a player. So I've got both Fan and Hawkinson with first-round grades. And uh, I've got Hawkinson ahead of Fant. So let's go ahead and move on to the next one on this list. And it's Irv Smith Jr. from Alabama. Now, uh, Irv lined up everywhere at Alabama. Because they did line him up everywhere, they asked him to do a lot, including run blocking and pass blocking. He seems to have a high football IQ because they picked up a lot of things pretty quickly throughout the season. Smith was a reliable weapon. QBs at Alabama posted a... 157.7 passer rating when targeting Smith. He's also the top tight end in the class in both yards per target and touchdown rate. Smith isn't the athlete that Fant is, but he possesses some true yak when he gets the ball in his hands. He's had one year of starting experience, so the route running is still a little raw, but for where he is, he seems to have a lot of room to grow. Irv Smith doesn't have your traditional big hulking tight end frame, but he just does it all as a pass catcher and a blocker from anywhere on the field. He has an 88 for me which is a high second-round grade, a low first. I did not like Smith as much as you did. I thought he was kind of boring, to be honest. Smith, I think he's probably the most physical and most technically sound blocker in this class. He's right there with Hawkinson, for sure. Uh, He's effective as a play-side lead blocker, a move blocker, and in pass protection. Uh, Smith consistently moved defenders off the ball. Uh, Most effective, in my opinion, in the short and intermediate uh, passing game. He has good hands and good size. He will make tough physical catches on third down. Uh, to me, I thought he looked kind of stiff and slow on tape. I don't think he's as athletic as Hawkinson and Fantar. Um, Smith doesn't generate much in the way of separation. He, he will occasionally let smaller defenders inside his frame. 
I thought he's, I think he has limited upside as a receiver, struggles to change direction and make people miss in the open field, and is not going to stretch the field. I have a 77 on him, which is a early third round pick, uh, probably late second round more likely, but uh, just didn't, I didn't think he was as fun as Hawkinson and Fant and doesn't possess the athletic upside that those guys do. All right. Yeah. Yeah. We're, uh, we're on different pages there. Okay. So let's go on to the next one. Uh, and this is the kid from Ole Miss, Dawson Knox. So Knox is a guy that I really enjoyed watching. And I think, uh, he's a guy who I think he just, he was in a bad situation for a tight end because there were so many good receivers at Ole Miss that he just didn't get the ball and he should have got the ball a lot more, uh, kind of a coaching fail in my opinion. He's smart, uh, always aware of what's happening around him on the field. Knox consistently turns his shoulders towards the QB and looks for the ball, settles down in soft spots when he gets open. He's primarily featured as a blocker in the run game, packs a major punch as a move and lead blocker coming through the hole. Dox has strong hands, makes a lot of contested grabs in traffic. He has the potential to add value in the intermediate passing game, might even be able to stretch the field. I think he's a good athlete, will probably test well and climb up boards at the combine. Uh, Knox is more of a tandem blocker or help blocker and pass protection. I think he struggles with speed rushers off the edge. Uh, he ran kind of a limited route tree, was mainly used as a decoy to take guys upfield and um, and create underneath opportunities for A.J. Brown. And he doesn't create a ton of separation, but I like him. I think he's a guy who can grow into a receiver role. He's NFL ready as a blocker now, certainly in the run game. Can be a solid tight end too. And I think... In the right system with proper coaching, I think he can develop into a solid tight end two as a receiving option um, and a nice complimentary piece. What was your grade on him? I have a 76 on Knox. We kind of talked about this before the podcast. We were texting back and forth. But, yeah, Dawson Knox was criminally underutilized at Old Miss but uh, showed a lot in his minimal action. He caught 39 passes in three years, but he never had a touchdown. He's a fluid route runner, uh, lined up everywhere. He was also a guy that Ole Miss ran as both a run and pass blocker. He showed the ability to be a vertical threat and get some extra yards after the catch. Knox shows some good catch radius and rarely body catches. Dawson Knox is more of a projection than a plug-and-play starter. They had a lot of weapons at Ole Miss, and Knox was kind of the odd man out there. And on tape, he's a pretty good route runner, tenacious blocker, can get vertical, but he didn't get his opportunities to prove himself, which is kind of making him a hit-or-miss type guy. Uh, going straight off traits, Knox would be a top-five tight end in this class. But without the production, he'll fall a little. And uh, that might make him one of the better value picks in this draft because uh, he is pretty talented but just wasn't able to show it. That's not his fault. Uh, just didn't get the opportunity. So uh, we're actually close. I've got a 78 on him. So, you know, a high third-round grade, maybe creeping up to the low second. Um, like Knox, but you're right. Uh, just a big coaching fail on, on their part. Uh, the next guy and the last guy on our list before we get to sleepers is Caden Smith from Stanford. Uh, he's got a freakish frame at 6'5", 250. Smith was a fearless receiver fighting for the ball over the middle and tightrope walking the sideline. He's got good high-point ability, uh, does a nice job adjusting to the ball in the air, and there are quite a few bad throws his way that he made plays on that most tight ends you wouldn't see do that. Uh, his route running is somewhat raw, in my opinion. He's uh, particularly sloppy at the top of his routes. His blocking ability is somewhat hit or miss as well. 
Caden Smith will be your steady tight end presence. He won't get much separation, uh, but when he does, man, if it's in his area, he'll catch it. Uh, isn't much of a mismatch at his size, but what he does, he does well with some room to grow. He's got the ability to be a solid pro, and in most drafts, he's he'd be taken a lot higher. But because there's, uh, you know, kind of a lower ceiling for uh, Caden Smith, in my opinion, uh, he's probably going to go in the middle rounds. But in most draft classes, because this is such a stacked tight end class, he's probably going higher. I've got a 72 on him, which is a third round pick. I like Caden Smith. I liked him a little bit more than you did. Um, I, he's, I mean, you mentioned a lot of it. He's a big physical target in the middle of the field. I think he tracks and adjusts to the ball like a wide receiver. He really owns the seams in the deep and intermediate passing game. He's a good athlete. Uh, Smith is very physical and polished as a run blocker, I think. I think the pass protection is an issue. I mean, he gets a, a lot of very consistent movement in the run game as a blocker, in my opinion. Uh, Smith is athletic enough to climb and make second-level blocks in the run game, and he always keeps his body between himself and the defender and always extends and catches with his hands as opposed to catching against his body. Uh, Caden Smith... I think his route running could use some work, like you mentioned. Uh, he ran a lot of routes in college, a pretty diverse route tree, just not a very good route tree at this point in his career. Uh, Smith occasionally overruns blocking assignments at the second level. He wasn't as much of a factor in the red zone as you'd expect, but he was also playing with J.J. Um, uh, Arcega-Whiteside, so that's to be expected, I guess. He has to make a lot of contested grabs, because he doesn't, like you mentioned, he doesn't create a lot of separation in the short passing game, and he has to throttle down to get in and out of his breaks because he's he a little tight in the hips and he just doesn't doesn't accelerate through his cuts very well. Um, I like the contested catches he makes. I think he's going to be a good blocker in the NFL with proper coaching. I have him in a seventy nine, so uh, early third round pick, but he's a guy that I like and I think he's going to start out as a solid complimentary tight end and i think he might develop into something a little bit more than that uh with the right opportunity all right so i'll give my first sleeper and then you can uh, go ahead and give yours uh, mine is jay sternberger from texas texas a&m uh, sternberger started his college career at, Te- at kansas uh after two years of not really being utilized there in that program he desired a larger role went the juco route before landing with the aggies he's 6'4 250 he's a physical force after the catch he will bring contact two defenders dragging would-be tacklers down possesses a mean stiff arm he's dangerous up the seams and is good going into and out of his breaks he's developed some nuance to his routes as well but it isn't perfect his blocking isn't great either but he's in line to be a very good tight end in the nfl and he can really move jay sternberger can re- move pretty good for his size too because being 256 uh, he looks much bigger on the field like uh, you and i went back and forth about him earlier um he's a monster with yards after the catch can kill it up to seam and over the middle he's kind of flying on the radar right now because he's somewhat of an unknown but i think he's going to be climbing up boards pretty soon and i think he's going to be one of the better value picks of this class i've got jay sternberger with a 79 which is a high third round pick all right um so my first sleeper is alizé mack from notre dame and this is a guy that i haven't really heard anybody talk about Uh, i saw him a little bit during the season Made sure I studied his tape, obviously, for the show here. I think um, Mac is a good run blocker, particularly at the second level. He's a very good athlete. Uh, might be one of the faster tight ends in this class. He possesses a good vertical, and he's a good weapon on the jump ball, 50-50 balls. Mac has sticky hands. He's physical at the catch point, and he has the frame and the catch radius to be very good in the red zone. 
I think he was very, he's another guy who was very underutilized in college. Uh, he was negatively impacted by what could be described only as dog shit quarterback play by Brandon Wimbush for the last couple of years. Um, but as soon as they put in Ian book this year, his numbers went through the roof. I think he went from catching like 16 balls one year and 19 balls the next to catching 39 or 40 balls this year. Uh, he went from being like a little underneath dump off guy on third and short to stretching the field and making contested grabs in the middle of the field. He's going to be a very dangerous weapon up the seams. In my opinion, in the intermediate and deep passing games, I think he is a guy who, if I had to make a comparison, a um, a Ladarius Green type, a guy who is he's better than Green was as a blocker coming out, but he's kind of a freak athlete with that big frame and those long arms, and I think he's going to be able to stretch the field. And he's a guy who is going to make some big plays. He might not be consistent early on, but he has the ability to help help stretch the field and be be an impact player in that way. So I I liked him quite a bit. Um, I have a 72 on him. So a late third round pick probably will fall into the fourth round, be a day three pick just because nobody's talking about him. He was invited to the combine. I think he's probably going to test well and will probably climb boards once he does. Um, but a really nice, because he can run block and because he can catch the ball so well, a very nice complimentary tight end, uh, for a team that might be looking to develop some depth behind uh, an all-star caliber tight end hint hint <laughs> all right well uh let's go ahead and get into the top five then and i'll start with five and go on to one uh five for me is dawson knox with 78 jay sternberger made my top five with 79 irv smith is my number three tight end with an 88 noah fant 92 tj hawkinson my number one tight end with a 95 uh, Dawson Knox is also my number five with a 76. Irv Smith is my number four with a 77. Caden Smith, number three, 79. Noah Fant, 86, number two. And TJ Hawkinson is my number one with an 88. I said it on Twitter, and I know you've got uh, uh, kind of you're kind of echoing my sentiment. H- how are you feeling about a couple of tight ends at number 28 for the Chargers here? Yeah, you know, you, you look at the board and you see how some of these defensive linemen are going to come off the board. Some of these linebackers are going to come off the board. Obviously, they're not taking a quarterback. Um, I think there's a lot of value in taking a tight end at 28, kind of like what they did with Hunter Henry a couple years ago where nobody was really expecting it and they jumped on him because he fell to yeah, them. Yeah, the second round. I think you could have, yeah, I think you could have a very similar situation here if, uh, particularly if TJ Hawkinson is there. Um, at the end of the set, at the end of the first round, he'd be a guy that I'd take in a heartbeat to pair with Hunter Henry. And I think there are a couple reasons you need to do that. One, obviously, we've been saying this for a couple years. I'll repeat it: the team needs to move on from Antonio Gates. Virgil Green is strictly a blocking tight end. You know, we we had hoped that he might contribute as a receiver. He really didn't, and doesn't look like they're interested in using him in that role. So if he's going to stick on the team, it's going to be as a blocking tight end. Uh, so you get a guy like Hawkinson who can make plays at all three levels of the defense, who gives you options as a blocker to be on the field in two tight end sets with Hunter Henry. I just think you kind of open the offense up. You you have you give yourself an opportunity to replace, you know, a Tyrell Williams potentially a a Travis Benjamin as deep threats. It just it just gives you a whole new wrinkle, a whole new level of of opportunity and and um. 
just gives you some more explosive playmaking ability in the middle of the field, which I think is something this team missed last year uh, with Henry being out. So that's something that I would certainly look at. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't have thought it before uh, going into these tight ends, but uh, I really warmed up to the idea of a, of a TJ Hawkinson or a Noah Fant there at number uh, 28 for the Chargers. You know, I know, obviously, tight end isn't the Chargers' biggest need, and um, I think a lot of the high-end linebackers and defensive linemen, like you mentioned, are going to be gone early, and I think there's going to be some value, and we'll get to that in some later shows, but um, it just seems like, to me, I don't know if you're going to get better value than a guy like Noah Fant or TJ Hawkinson at that spot. You then would pair Hunter Henry with one of those Iowa tight ends, and you've got two high-end tight ends. Uh, You wouldn't take either off the field. You've not only added another uh, receiving weapon for Philip Rivers, you can go two tight end sets, you can open up the middle of the field, and if you wanted to, you potentially have a backup plan for Hunter Henry if he, again, cannot stay healthy and they want to go another direction. I mean, we there's no denying the talent Hunter Henry has, but he just can't stay healthy. And, um, you know, like you mentioned, the Chargers will most likely lose Tyrell Williams of free agency, and if they decide to pull the plug on Travis Benjamin – then you're not really losing a ton in your receiving weapons if you get a guy like Hawkinson or Fant. And also, uh, especially in Hawkinson's uh, uh, case, if he does fall to 28 and you've got Hunter Henry and TJ Hawkinson on the field at the same time, you can do so much. It opens up your offense and it'll improve your running game too. You know uh, That was a big uh, sticking point with a lot of people um, when I even threw the idea out there today was, hey, you know they got to improve offensive linemen. Well, if you've got a really good blocking tight end like Hawkinson, that's an extension of the running game. Uh, they can help run block, and so can Hunter Henry. We know how good he is as a run blocker. So having both of them with the threat of going out and getting open as receiving weapons, I think you kind of uh, keep your F- offense a little bit more flexible than you uh, otherwise would have. And, you know, the other route, I guess, is going a day two tight end. That that wouldn't hurt either, you know. If, if somewhere in round two or three you can find a guy like uh, Irv Smith or uh, Sternberger or Knox or Caden Smith or um, a couple Isaac Nwata or, or Dax Raymond. There's there's a, a bunch of guys in the middle of that pack in day two, day three that could add a lot of value. They can help you out right away and upgrade the Chargers' offense. So uh, they don't have to go tight end, and obviously uh, it's not the Chargers' biggest need. But it would really, really open up that offense. And, you know, obviously they can uh, plug up some other holes of free agency. And with the other six picks they have throughout the draft, you know, uh, the first-round pick isn't the end-all, be-all because everybody's uh, panicking that uh, tight end isn't the biggest need. And they have Hunter Henry. Why would they get another tight end? Uh, They can do it uh, with other picks. But um, just looking at that value, uh, you might not get better value than Fant or Hawkinson. Yeah, I mean, look, we're not saying they should get rid of Hunter Henry. No, 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 no. We both love Hunter Henry. He's a huge part of the offense. We both expect him to be extended when that time comes after this season. But he has not been healthy for a full season yet. He's been very productive, but he has not always been healthy. And they need somebody behind him who can fill his production. And right now, when you look at that death chart, even if they bring Gates back, he can obviously cannot replace what Hunter Henry does. And they shouldn't bring him back. Uh, Virgil Green cannot replace what Hunter Henry does. And then you got Sean Culkin back there who could barely replace what Virgil Green does. So you need somebody, a second receiving option at tight end to help open things up, particularly on third down and in the red zone. I know everybody was going to say, well, Gates can still do that. No, he really can't. He he really can't. Um, he might show up occasionally, but 
he was not that good this year, and he was not that good in the red zone in particular. I think he had three touchdowns or two touchdowns all year. Uh, they need a livelier body, a more explosive body, and Fant and Hawkinson both provide great options at the end of the first round. Gives you some flexibility if Henry gets hurt again and you decide to move on from him. Or if you just want to have that additional depth, that additional production behind him. Um, and, you know, do you want to take the sixth or seventh best offensive tackle in the first round because you have to have an offensive tackle? Or do you want to take get some value and take the best tight end or the second best tight end? I mean, it's just a matter of, you know, you got to find that mesh point of need and value and production. And I think this is an interesting example of that. With, yeah. with Hawkinson and Fant. Yep. All right. Well, that'll wrap up our show today. Thanks for listening, guys. We appreciate it. I am at Garrisisti on Twitter. Jamie? At Lightning underscore round. And we will see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.